Welcome to Winning Slowly, taking the long view on technology, religion, ethics, and art. I'm Stephen Caradini. And I'm Chris Kreitschow. And today we're going to talk about, well, what happens when you run out of content. So the internet, you may have heard of the internet, is a giant <laughs> accelerator for content. All it does is make everything available to you instantly. This seems like a good thing. However, this means that if you're competing for clicks with everybody else on the internet or all of the other people in your particular vertical, you have to keep pushing content. You can't just put out one big thing and then be like, yeah, everybody click it. Or can or, you? Or can you? Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's what we're going to talk about today is how do we deal with the never-ending stream of Twitter, Pinterest, which literally goes in a never-ending stream, and all of these sorts of you know, media that base their whole existence off of the amount of media they can push. We've actually been thinking about this topic since before we started the show. There was an Atlantic article we will put in the show notes, of course, that asked whether we've hit peak feed or peak stream or peak blog or something like that. I think it was peak stream. And basically saying, have we hit the point where we've essentially, you know, gotten over the importance of having everything right now all the time, new, 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 new. And we keep coming back to this because both of us have a long, you know, not as long as some, but nonetheless long history of a presence on the web. I've been blogging since 2005 in various forms, and Stephen's been at it even longer. And we were both sensitive to those kind of publishing pressures of if you don't put things out regularly, whatever audience you have, whatever brand you have, quote unquote, it's a terrible thing. And I, I don't like the brand as a person, but whatever audience you've developed and so on is likely to go read something else because there are a million other things they could read. Right. And it used to be a little bit easier when RSS feeds were a big thing and you could say, Hey, sign up for my thing. And then I will deliver you a thing when my thing comes out. <laughs> But for whatever reason, we could have a whole issue on why RSS feeds aren't a thing anymore. But for whatever reason, that's less of an important way that people get their media now. And other things like Twitter, Facebook, word of mouth, those are the ways that we consume media. So it's challenging to have a stable presence that isn't anchored by some sort of consistent rhythm, mm -hmm. um, which is particularly difficult for us on some weeks when we're both super busy. Um, I just started up school. Chris also is about to start up school and has started up, yeah, last started week. up and has a family and children. And some weeks it's just like, what are we going to talk about, Pinky? <laughs> I don't know, brain. Same thing we talk about every night. I mean, it's, you know, sometimes life gets in the way, and sometimes you just don't have a pressing issue that really that really fits. Because there's plenty of things we could talk about at Winning Slowly this week. I mean, there's the imploding video game world, and there's Ferguson, and there's politics, and there's all manner of thing that we could talk about from a Winning Slowly perspective. But for one reason or another, they just don't fit with how we roll. And so we kind of got stuck. We We had to put out something because that's our weekly rhythm. We don't want to break our weekly rhythm. But what do you put out? 
Right. There's a sense in which once you establish a rhythm, you uh, and, and especially once you publish on your website, we publish this weekly or whether, you know, if you're a newspaper that has an expectation of daily publishing or you're a person who has a Twitter stream in which you make a habit out of posting four hundred and twelve times a day exactly you know you you have an a, a certain degree of responsibility to your audience i mean right. uh, and i take that as a consumer of most things you know there mm -hmm. are podcasts i listen to in particular the incomparable and accidental tech podcast and i get really sad if the the episode doesn't come out at its normal time or gets delayed for some reason or whatnot. And of course, that's a little bit unreasonable. But thinking about our discussion last week about expectations, you do engender expectations in your audience. Right. And of course, in the interwebs era, the expectation that has been engendered in almost all web audiences is new content all the time. Right. And so we've actually as a podcast, only missed one week that we scheduled a podcast. And we actually uh, recorded that week. And it was just <laughs> a total disaster, and it should never be heard by anyone. But that's, All the audio it, files have been deleted. Uh, Don't worry. Yeah. But that's kind of the point, is that like it takes a total disaster for us to say, okay, we're, not, we're just not going to do it. We're going <laughs> to man up. We're going to knuckle down. We're just gonna just gonna not do it, and this is kind of weird. Like this is a strange expectation that the internet has created in us, and in some ways, it's not a healthy expectation. There are more important things sometimes than getting something out every day or every week or every month, even. And so we want to think about how can we do this better. How can we think about content? Um, as creators, primarily, this episode's going to be pretty heavily weighted towards how do we as creators think about this, although we will talk a little bit about how we as consumers can think about it. We want to talk about how creators can think about their content and even perhaps market their content, that scary word, marketing, <laughs> market their content in ways that are maybe better suited for the human existence. And, and we're going to talk about this in sort of two tracks. And one of these, as Stephen and I were prepping for the show, I opted to call winning slowly, quickly. And the other one was <laughs> winning slowly, slowly. I approve of this method. <laughs> uh, the winning slowly, quickly method is, you know, sort of the default one if you want to build a presence online. And so we'll start there. This is the way that Stephen turned into a fairly formidable indie music critic. It's by running the same blog and publishing regularly you know the particular schedule has changed somewhat over time but publishing mm -hmm. very regularly for are you at 12 years now eh, 11 11 yeah and a half. so gosh it's <laughs> a long time yeah. you do something very very consistently for a long time and you're going to build an audience yeah but the downside of that is everything we just talked about and so right. you know on the one hand, we, we think there's value in that, but that's not the track we want to focus on because it's the track that everybody has taken. You know, if you want a successful blog, the idea is you need to write X many times a week, depending on what your content is, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And especially if you're ad-driven, that mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense because you need to be pulling in fresh clicks and fresh views to get ads in front of eyeballs, to put it right. as crassly as people often do in this industry. Right. And that's how you that's how you stay afloat. 
Yeah. But what if what if we didn't do that? So before we jump to what if we didn't do that, there is one little tweak that independent clauses does, which is our audience is expressly different and our goals are expressly different than some blogs. Mm -hmm. So how I manage to exist and still be sane in the midst of <laughs> of posting that, three to five let, times a week. Let's not stretch it too far. Sane okay. might be a stretch. All right, all right. <laughs> Sorry, three, couldn't resist. <laughs> how do I, how, how I keep it together posting <laughs> three to five times a week is the goal of the blog is not to get a bajillion clicks or compete with Pitchfork or even have ads, which it doesn't have ads, um, is to instead use it as a platform to do something else. So most of the things that I run, be they full album reviews or MP3 reviews, stuff like that, the goal of all of that is to get a press quote for these small bands that don't have a lot of press quotes or maybe not even any press quotes. So by having a different goal, which is possible to achieve with every post, get a quote for a band, mm -hmm. it, it differs from you know the grind of I have to put something out that's good so that people will click on it. If no one clicks on any of my articles, I'm still achieving the goal of the blog. Now, I want people to click on the articles because the better name that Independent Clauses has, the more importance the press quote is, and you know, then that helps bands more and more. But I don't build Independent Clauses for Stephen Caradini's sake. I build it because it helps out bands legitimately. So having a different goal is important. Yeah, having a different goal matters a ton. I have set out with my own blogging efforts over the last couple of years for it mostly just to be a place to say you know, to think out loud online and potentially to interact with others. And having that as a goal rather than having a regular audience as a goal has helped a lot. Uh, among other things, it means that when, as right now, I'm in a busy period of doing other things and I've chosen not to make writing on my blog my priority, well, it's totally okay by me that I haven't posted but one thing in the last three months. That, yeah. that pressure goes away. And so whether you have a self-imposed pressure for a different goal, like Stephen does with independent clauses, or you just eliminate the pressure by setting a different goal like I have done, it's possible to escape the, the pressures of expectations there, even in the, you know, publish relatively frequently world. Yeah, the clickbait. Yeah, and and it's hard, you know, I do. There are some guys I read who I respect who are doing the publish regularly to make a living for themselves approach, and I admire them for pulling it off, but it's tough, and we'll see how long it's sustainable. Yeah. However, the winning slowly, slowly model is different again. So one of the, the things that we noticed is that you can either hyperspeed it and turn into BuzzFeed and post a zillion things a day, <laughs> or you can slow it way down. And if you slow it way down, then you're making a smaller number of things that have potentially a higher level of involvement, which hopefully translates to a higher level of quality, but is not necessarily <laughs> always the case. But the goal is higher level of involvement, higher amount of time, and higher quality. And this is the approach that... Uh, author Craig Maud, who Chris and I really respect, has taken. Every so often he'll put out a usually fairly substantive essay 
mm-hmm. and then he'll go dead silent again for months. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I he's out there on Twitter posting and interacting with people and sharing other people's content or whatnot. But in terms of his own stuff, he puts out projects or essays or collections of essays, whatever makes sense for whatever particular thing he's doing, sometimes. Not regularly, not predictably, not frequently. But mm-hmm. whenever they come out, Stephen and I read them with considerable enthusiasm and excitement because mm-hmm. they're really, really good. In uh, fact, of the people that Chris and I read, he posts less than most of them, mm-hmm. but we read his articles with more interest than most of them. And he's not the only guy I know of that does this. In fact, one of my other favorite people on the internet, blogger, writer, podcaster, John Syracusa, is a pretty infrequent blogger. Might post three or four times a year, I think. He is probably best known for writing gargantuan reviews of each year's new release of Apple OS X. And when I say gargantuan, I mean they're 20 pages on... Ars Technica's site layout, which is a lot of words, tens of thousands of words, but they're great. They're some of the most detailed technical writing on the internet that's nonetheless approachable for, you know, Joe layperson who's interested in learning something about what Apple's doing in its operating systems. Mm, And I can't tell you how often I've heard people say, can't somebody do this for Windows? That would be cool, but nobody out there, to my knowledge, is doing it. And Aww. it's sad because it would be a really <laughs> valuable thing. But John Syracuse yeah. has made a name for himself as someone who offers these long, thoughtful pieces occasionally, just as Craig Maud offers these large, substantive pieces occasionally. And in both cases, because so much time and effort and thought clearly goes into their work and their work reflects that i mean it's not as we talked about in the past there are times when your your amount of work put in doesn't necessarily translate into the value of whatever you've created to the to the people receiving it but in this case it really does because they're creating things that are really really good and really really valuable and you can't do that with these kinds of things without sinking enormous amounts of time in and in particular You can't do it every day or even once a week or, frankly, probably even on a schedule like once a month. Yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of an anachronism, right? Because we used to do this with novels and with these sorts of things. Yes, sometimes there were serialized novels, which is how Victor Hugo could afford to live. But, you know. (laughs) And why that book is large enough to kill a small (laughs) ox or something. Yeah, it's, yeah, (laughs) whoo. If but, you've never seen an unabridged copy of Les Mis, you should go find an unabridged copy of Les Mis to look at. Not to buy, not just to, to buy. look at. <laughs> yeah, because you need like three arms to carry it out. <laughs> but but yeah, so that's how it used to be. You used to have a novel and you'd publish it and it would sell and then you'd make money off it. And then you'd go into your you know cave and write another <laughs> one. And you know, that's a kind of a slow media approach that has a lot of, you know, middlemen and things like that. And so even though technology has cut out some of the middlemen, that doesn't necessarily mean that the process of spending a deep amount of time engaged in one particular thing is a bad endeavor. I mean, in academia, this is still largely considered to be a real and important thing because I'm going to get, you know, between a year and two years to work on a dissertation. And that's going to be the only thing that happens for 
a year or two years. And so there are still some venues that see the value in this. Um, and it is something that runs afoul of our faster, better, more kind of mentality. So, I mean, saying you should do less things and you should do them more slowly is not necessarily something that comes naturally to, you know, politicians or tech writers or Twitter users or people. But uh, it's something that I think we should be remembering is that just because something was slow when things had to be slow doesn't mean that doing something slow when things can be fast is wrong. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting point. And I think to follow it up a little bit from another example, you know, outside the writing side of things or whatnot, one of the things that has made Apple successful is their willingness to sit on an idea till it's ready. And I think one of the things we'd love to see some of their competitors do is sit on ideas till they're ready instead of just having to hammer something out every month. Uh, yeah. I, I think that would make for a lot better quality in a lot of areas, especially in the tech world where, you know, sometimes you get the rap of being moving slowly. If you haven't put out 14 new devices in the last six months, it's mm -hmm. holy cow. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, looking at the broader publishing world, to be sure, there are still novelists taking a long time to write their novels and so on. Hey there, Song of Ice and Fire. <laughs> George R. R. Martin fans are really hoping that he doesn't end up pulling a Robert Jordan and leaving the series unfinished because that would be sad. It would be sad. But yeah, there's this opportunity, I think, for people to carve out an, a niche for themselves of writing, creating, whether it's, you know, the, the Kickstarter project that takes a year to come to fruition or three years to come to fruition. Stephen mm -hmm. and I both backed a Kickstarter by the company that made the original mist game back in the 1990s well we're back we've backed the development of a video game and they're being open about it so that people can see how it's going but it's going to be another year or two and yeah. i appreciate that about them i appreciate it that the guys behind you know elite dangerous or one of these other big space sims they're saying we're going to take as long as it takes to make it good and we'll give it to you yep. as fast as we can but we're going to take as long as it takes to make it good. There's a famous yeah. quote from, uh, oh, I cannot remember his name. I'll have to look it up and I'll put it in the show notes. But a game developer who said a, a delayed game is eventually good. A rushed game is never good or something yeah. to that effect. And I, I think we see that a lot of content on the Internet. And I see that in a lot of news reporting that the urge to be first means you end up putting out nonsense. Oh, my gosh. I don't even want to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean we're we're not going to get into details here, though. You can you can read between the lines on yeah. some of the, how these things play out. But being willing to sit down, I mean, I think that's why there actually has been a resurgence in long form journalism in the last couple of years because yeah. people do value that kind of work, Getting and it, it right. takes six months yeah. of reporting and another three months of writing to turn mm -hmm. out one of those things. Yeah. Yeah, and that's stuff that's really difficult to fund because mm -hmm. there aren't a lot of deliverables, right? Like, if you're doing that, you may say, well, what did you do at work today? Well, I wrote. Well, what did you do at work yesterday? I also <laughs> wrote. 
And if you want to talk about the specific paragraphs I was working on, I could give you a blow by blow, but you probably don't want that. I mean, and that's the sort of level of detail that people who are doing long form writing are getting into. Like when you're doing Im immense, immersive things, especially you can read a bunch of them on, you know, long forms, but particularly on medium, I've started to see some really heavy hitting stuff that is really well done that took forever. Mm-hmm. And so there's, you know, our bias here at Winning Slowly is always towards slowly. But in this particular <laughs> venue, it's crucial that we remember that long things take a long time. And we shouldn't be rushing to push out whatever is there because of the demands of our Twitterfied universe. And that's uh, really important. One note, I actually did not back the video game oh um, i know i'm gonna buy it when it gets out eventually <laughs> it was it was just it was just not a good time um life is like that sometimes we'll yeah. forgive you yes i i appreciate that also i'm glad that you didn't reference the quote by uh brandon sanderson about george rr R. martin which i thought you were going for ah and you can look <laughs> that one up too people that's a good one to look up so that we don't have to say it on the air uh so what, what we're getting at here is there are ways to do things fast and do them well, mm -hmm. um, particularly if you're, you're having a certain type of uh, product that doesn't necessarily value clicks or certain other types of you know, value creation um, that needs repetition. There are ways to do that well. But Chris and I are most interested in developing the sorts of spaces, be it developing them financially or politically or, you know, technologically, developing the sorts of spaces that we can have those long-form things. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we're really interested in and we want to develop, you know, and open conversations about and celebrate people who are doing those sorts of things that allow for long-form journalism, long-form creative writing, long-form video game making, and that eases some of the pressure on make, 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 because we just, at least I don't think that the constant pressure to make and create is very humanizing. No, it, it seems to me that it tends to be commoditizing. It yeah. diminishes the value of any individual piece, and that is really something we we should mourn is the loss of valuing yeah. of those things because it makes it that much harder for the collection to put out Ars Moriendi mm -hmm. and it makes it that much harder for Craig Maud to put out, you know, his essay on, uh, and his really family of essays on the shape of content in a digital world and, and so on. We mm -hmm. want to value those things more. Yeah. And we want to get other people to value those things more, be it by Kickstarters, be it by, chipping in to funds, uh, be it by, you know, spreading the word of, hey, if you have 20 minutes to read this really long thing, you should do that because it's <laughs> good for you. That's what we're looking for in Winning Slowly Fast and Winning Slowly Slowly. As usual, all of our content is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution License. That means you can do whatever you like. Just say you got it from us. The song at the beginning is not licensed under Creative Commons in the same way. Um, it was Paul. It was Seasons by Palm Ghosts off their self-titled record, which came out uh, Tuesday of last week. You can follow us on app.net, Twitter, 
and Facebook, and you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. We highly recommend that. Until next time, I have been Chris Kreitcho. And I am and will be Stephen Caradini. Go watch Doctor Who. (laughs) Thanks for listening.